My name is David Porter. I am the author of Five Minutes to Live. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this podcast. Uh, just a few things to, to note. Um, in the description of the podcast, I've got the purchase link if you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live. I've also got my Facebook and Twitter links so you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. I'll interact with you. Um, the, the purpose of this podcast, we are reading through Five Minutes to Live chapter by chapter, releasing a new chapter each week, and I release them on Tuesday mornings at 7 a.m. Central Time. Now, if you're here and you haven't started with the prologue, episode number one, go back, start there, or you're going to be completely lost. Please set the alert notification, whatever that looks like on your podcast of choice, so that when the new episode is released, it alerts you. Now, one other thing, Five Minutes to Live has a lot of footnotes. There are a lot of scientific references and a lot of Bible verses. In each episode, I'll list all of those footnotes so you'll have them. You can go back and research, read about the people, read about the articles, read about the science, and read the Bible verses. Finally, I've got a new book that I've finished writing. It's called 60 Seconds of Silence. It's not out yet, but as soon as it is, I'll go back and list the link so you can purchase it in the description of each episode as well. Now, with that, thanks for being here. Let's get to it. Well, we're back. I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. I'm excited. Let's get into the next reading. Merry Christmas again. Have a Happy New Year. Let's get to it. Chapter 21 the mercenaries must have learned from their previous attempt to apprehend me at Moho Magnetic Machines earlier in the day. This time, they had the building surrounded. Everything happened in a blur. Aaron and I were running at top speed along the catwalk. There was a loud explosion that I felt and heard much more than I saw. It boomed across the gaping expanse of space. It shook my insides and knocked me off balance. I grabbed the handrail, trying to keep from falling. My ears rang, and I was blinded for a split second. Looking down, I saw the mercenaries entering the building from multiple points. What I thought was a singular explosion was actually a coordinated set of synchronized blasts at all the different exit doors were breached in unison. The doors were big, heavy-set things made of iron and the explosive charge that the mercenaries used to breach each one of them must have been an incredibly large load. I realized that a breach in real life is nothing like what the movies or television portray. In the movies, the door blows and all the men come rushing in, each sweeping a portion of the room, killing enemy agents in a frenzied chaos of gunfire. No one ever misses. In actuality, a breach is much more controlled than that. The door is blasted open and one man goes in. Moments later, a second enters. Moments later, a third. This makes sense so that if an enemy combatant is set up and aiming at the doorway, not everyone gets shot at the same time as they rush into the room. I was watching this transpire through multiple doorways below me as the mercenaries entered the facility. There was an immense amount of dust, dirt, and grime in the empty space. 
The explosion produced an incredible amount of debris that almost instantly obstructed the view from our position. It also created enough of a smoke screen for Aaron and me to run unseen. I started down the stairway and Aaron grabbed me, stopping me from descending. Quiet now, he whispered. Come this way. And he led me to the door I had seen earlier. That door led to the place where an elevated bridge had once been. Now, all that was left was debris and a ladder that someone hastily laid across the empty void, connecting the two buildings. As quickly and as quietly as we could, we made our way across the ladder bridge and into the next building. Aaron quietly pulled the ladder to our side of the bridge, effectively eliminating the bridge or the evidence that there had ever been a bridge in the first place. In their haste to execute a successful assault, the mercenaries obviously only had minimal planning time. They must not have noticed the ladder connecting the two buildings, or they would have had a contingency plan. Aaron and I made our way through the neighboring building and down the stairs, far away from the watchful eyes of the mercenaries. We sprinted away from the building and the imminent threat. I had not been in this direction, so I was trying to follow Aaron as he weaved through the tight city streets. I could feel my heart beating in my chest as we ran hard for another few blocks, knowing that the mercenaries wouldn't give up their search without being as thorough as possible. We also knew they would try to maintain a level of covertness to their operation. They couldn't go running through the streets of Israel, waving submachine guns and go unnoticed. After a few minutes of running, things started to look vaguely familiar. Breathlessly, I got Aaron's attention. Wait, wait, I, I know where we are. Come this way. He was not happy having to stop and change directions. Where are we going? He whispered. Still running, I said, it's just, it's just here. Somehow, miraculously, we had run back to where I parked our stolen SUV, the one I had stolen from Aaron earlier in the morning. It was still sitting in the same location, parallel parked on the street where I had left it when I went to Moho Magnetic Machines. Aaron shouted, you drive, I've got calls to make. I'll show you where to go. I jumped behind the wheel as Aaron slid into the passenger side. He was pulling out his phone when he saw me fumbling, trying to get the engine started. Frustrated, he said, out of the way, and grabbed the wires. Reaching across the vehicle, he was finally able to get the little SUV started. He said, we need to turn around and head the other way. Do it as naturally as possible. Then, when we're driving, don't do anything crazy. Just take your time. If you see them, just drive normally. Don't even look at them. Hopefully, they won't think to look for us in a vehicle. Aaron dialed a number on his phone, and in a moment, he was speaking to someone, in another language, barking orders. Whoever he was speaking with must have been a subordinate, because it didn't sound like Aaron was taking no for an answer. Occasionally, he would point in a direction, wanting me to turn or change lanes. The drive took the better part of an hour through the city. We could have been driving in circles. I couldn't tell. All I knew was Aaron was on the phone almost the entire time. At one point, Aaron finished a call and sat back, relaxing for a moment. He said, everything should be arranged by the time we get there. Where, where are we going? What's the plan? Yeah, look, right, Matt. Right now, you're 
the most important piece to the puzzle. I interrupted. You said that a little while ago. What does that even mean? And where are we going? Aaron continued. You're the most important piece to the puzzle because you have the key, the mercenaries, the energy consortium, the competitors, whoever they are, they can't access the information on the computer without the key, without you. We need to get you to safety. We need to get you to some place of strength. We need to get you to a place where the mercenaries can't touch you. Once we do that, we can make a trade of some kind. We're headed to the airport to get you out of here. Do you have any idea what the key is? Did Jessica give you something? I nodded. What did she give you and when did she give it to you? Have you seen her? I remained silent for a long moment. Well, she, she gave me her cell phone the night she was kidnapped. She didn't have any pockets in her gown, and she asked me to carry all of her stuff, including her cell phone, Aaron asked. And you still have it? I again nodded. For some reason, I felt ashamed, either for hiding the information from Aaron for so long or because I was now revealing it to him, effectively betraying Jessica's trust and doing what she told me not to do. I couldn't tell. Finally, we made our way to the airport, or more specifically, we made our way to the smallest airport I had ever seen in my life. It only had one landing strip and a few small hangars. As we approached, I could see several single-engine airplanes sitting unattended and a couple of helicopters as well. Aaron, again on the phone, pointed out to me where the entrance to the airport was and instructed me to find hangar number three. Everything was written in Hebrew and it was getting dark, so it took me a minute, a frustrating minute, to find the correct place. We drove the little SUV directly inside the hangar and out of view. What I saw inside the hangar took my breath away. End of chapter 21. If you're still here, Thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed that reading. If you want to purchase Five Minutes to Live, the link is in the description below, and you can find my Facebook and Twitter links there as well. Drop me a line. Please subscribe and hit the bell so you know when the next chapter is released. And if you're enjoying this, please share it with your friends and family. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.